Happy Friday, my podcast family, and welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook at caregiving, all one word. Today, we're on Psalms 78, and it is pretty lengthy, 72 verses, and I'm going to read all of them. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to do that. Um, It is a fascinating psalm, and so I'm really looking forward to us getting into this. And I would encourage you to go back and reread it in its entirety. However, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read various parts. I've done this before. And then we're going to summarize and kind of outline what the psalm is speaking to. Okay, first... I'm reading from the New International Version, and I will read verses 1 through 5. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. 5. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach our children. Now, verses 9 through 11. The men of Ephraim, Though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. Now I'm going to read verses 17 through 20. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God. They said, can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True, he struck the rock and water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his people? Now I'll read verses 34 through 37. Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They remembered that God was their rock, that God most high was their redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to them with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to the covenant. Verse 40. How often they rebelled against him in the wilderness and grieved him in the wasteland. Verses 59 and 60. Then God heard them. He was furious. He rejected Israel completely. He abandoned the tabernacle of Shiloh, the tent he had set up among humans. Verse 65. Then the Lord awoke from his sleep as a warrior awakes from stupor and wine. The very last verse, 72. And David shepherded them with integrity of heart, with skillful hands. He led them. It's a lot, is it not? (laughs) 72 verses and we're going to break it down to talk about exactly what they all mean 
Well, first, let's go back to what category this falls under, or actually who wrote it. It's another psalm written by the first worship leader, Asaph, and it's a historical type of psalm. And that should be real obvious, right, to the things, various verses that I read. And so it's almost like a wisdom in its category of them, of the history that they've had to not repeat it. But let's break it down into bite-sized pieces. Verses 1 through 8 are a call not to forsake the oral tradition of passing down their history from one generation to the next. This coincides with the commandment God gave them once out of Egypt, and you can find it in various scriptures in Exodus as well as in the book of Leviticus, especially chapter 23, which outlines the various festivals that they were to have to commemorate God bringing them out of Egypt. It was important for them to pass this information down. Why? So that they would remember that they were a chosen people of God, that they were distinct, that they were different. Now we know, because we have the Bible, that they didn't do that. And this is what, also what this psalm reflects. Because you have verses 9 through 16 that say, um, that kind of identify the children of Israel, um, that they began to falter from the covenant that they had made from God. Specifically, the psalm identifies the men of Ephraim as having sinned. So why do you think this particular tribe? This is where we can say with a very good degree of certainty that these verses were, were referring to the split that occurred between the 12 tribes. They split into two kingdoms. The southern kingdom, consisting of the tribes of Judah and Benjamin, which they kind of called as a whole Judah, where um, the capital was in the um, tribe of Judah, and then in the northern kingdom, consisting of the remaining 12, known as Israel, whose capital was in the, ca- um, was in the territory of Ephraim. And it can get really confusing when you're reading the Old Testament and you see the word Israel, right? Because initially when we see Israel, it's referred to a person. Remember, Jacob's name was changed from trickster to Israel, right? So it can be a name, but then it can also refer to all 12 tribes, the tribes of Israel, the tribes of the person, and then it later became Israel. Or it can refer to that split, the northern kingdom. So you really, when you're reading the Bible, the Old Testament, you really need to know the context to understand what Israel is referring to when you're reading it. But this also allows us to go back and I think look at Monday's um, Psalm, or was it Tuesday's, when it made the distinction about Israel, God being in Judah and then being in Israel. Remember that? So now we understand why it was referring to the split. They were in the two kingdoms when that psalm was probably written. Although I'm sure many of you already knew that. I'm just going to thank you for being patient with me to finally coming along to this knowledge. (laughs) But you can find references to the split and how it displeased God and that he did leave them. And you can find that particular um, statement in 2 Chronicles 25 and 7. 
Then in verses 17 through 55, it refers back to the history, the history that they said that they wouldn't forget in the first um, verses of what happened to them while they were in Exodus. It gives a very good synopsis of what occurred in Exodus, right? A history lesson. And then we get to verses 56 and 64, where it talks about God left the tabernacle. This is referring to the Ark of the Covenant and specifically when the Philistines took it. And it can be found, that reference can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 4. So you see, we have all these nuggets of history in this psalm. The last verse brings in God's anointing of David, almost like the savior of Israel to reunite the kingdoms and reestablish them. God's anointed, right? So in the midst of this wisdom, historical type of uh, psalm, it's also giving an attaboy to King David. And so I found this psalm to be very interesting and I hope you do when you go back and you read it in its entirety because it gives us not only the history lesson but it allows us to pinpoint um, some of what this um, psalm is referring to although we still can't say with certainty exactly when this psalm was written. So what is the takeaway from all of this for us, right? And there are many things that we can look at. We can look at, you know, how, you know, idolatry, you know, upset the Lord because it also refers to that, how being ungrateful can displease God as a sin against him. And, you know, it refers to that as the children of Israel were wandering in the, in the wilderness and how they tested God. But to me, what comes to mind in reading this is division and how that displeases God. You know, friction in relationships. Now, I can be the first to tell you some people just are hard to deal with, right? (laughs) Just make sure that person isn't you. (laughs) But there is a way to maintain peace, right? To forgive people, to go to people and ask for forgiveness. We're to be the peacemakers. But if there are volatile people, especially if they're in your family, because sometimes you can't get away from your family, right? I would say minimize the interaction that you can with them because you don't want that friction. One, it messes with you and your peace, right? And the things that you're trying to do, but it does displease God. But, you know, you minimize your interaction if you can if that volatile person is a person whom you're caring for uh, that gets a little dicey doesn't it first pray always pray pray before every interaction that you have with them and and do what is necessary and and always and and when i say do what is necessary that means because in a way that's minimizing your contact if if you're the one who has to feed or to bathe then you do you feed you bathe You do that with a spirit of compassion, understanding that ultimately you are serving God. But if, you know, just going to sit with them, you know, is volatile because they're mistreating you, then you can't do that. Because God doesn't want us to be in abusive relationships that would harm us both physically or mentally. So, and and if that person that you're caring for um, is abusive, then you may need to seek assistance 
you know, perhaps someone else can help you with your loved one. Or you may need professional help at a facility. You see, my mother never um, became combative. But many people with Alzheimer's do. And you can find numerous testimonials of people speaking about how their loved one's personality just changed. People who said that um, their parents never cussed and then all of a sudden they were cussing like sailors and and combative and hitting them and just all sorts of stuff. I didn't experience that. You may be experiencing, experiencing that if you're taking care of someone with Alzheimer's. Or you could be experiencing just the anger from the loved one of what they're going through and they're just angry and so they're lashing out with you doesn't make it right I'm just saying that could attribute to their volatility and especially for women if you're trying to take care of a male you definitely need help because they're stronger than you are so when it becomes too hard maybe the best place for them will be in a facility it doesn't make you a bad caregiver right? Because you also need to take care of yourself and ensure that they're well taken care of. If you can't take care of them because they're combative, then they're not being taken care of. However, with everything, you must pray first. Our God is a relational God and he establishes relationships with us and he expects us to be in relationship with others. And so division just isn't of God. So today, As you read through this lengthy song, right, and get a little history lesson, I want you to take, after you've read it, I want you to take a self-assessment and look for areas in your life and see where there's friction. And then if there is any friction, see what you could do to bring peace. And it may be you having a conversation with the person, listening to them as they um, give you their point of view, and then maybe saying you're sorry, asking for forgiveness, And then you leave it there. But if at all possible, let's try to have good, healthy relationships. And so to make sure that there's no division in your heart. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for being a God of peace. For being a relational God who established a relationship with each and every one of us. We know we're not perfect, but you are. And so there are various areas in our lives that I'm sure where we can do better. We ask, Father, that you reveal it to us if we may be the cause of some friction that is going on within a relationship, whether it be a family member or a co-worker, a stranger perhaps that we weren't nice to, just whatever. And we come asking for forgiveness of that. And then we ask you to show us what we can do in order to bring peace and to mend that relationship. Father, I specifically lift up the caregivers who may be caring for a person who is combative, who is volatile. And I ask, Father, that you protect the caregiver as well as protecting the loved one. Bringing people who can assist them with taking care of them and provide a place where that loved one can be safe and less volatile. We know that you are a good and perfect God and we come to you with each and everything that is in our hearts because we want to please you and we don't want any division to be in our lives, especially anything that would cause a division between us and you. We need you, Father. 
And so thank you for being a God who is always present. This we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. All right, my beautiful podcast family, go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye. Thank you.